Hello there. Thank you for joining us again on The Basic and The Brain. For those of you who may have missed us the last few weeks, we're Alina and Maddie, aka The Basic and The Brain, and we're here to bring Botox and Bravo to the fucking table for your next dinner party. Yeah, I mean, think of it as us bringing basic bitch topics into the intellectual sphere. So grab yourself a glass of wine, or White Claw, or whatever hard seltzer, alcoholic drink of preference, (laughs) and join us for this week's episode. Okay, so lots of thoughts, I think, about this, the fourth episode of And Just Like That. Um, A, I think you brought up a really good point over text that this seemed very much like a filler episode. Oh my God, totally. Uh, but I, but there's a part of me too that like wants to debate this and, and I'll debate it because of some of the shit that I saw in the episode, but I'd love to hear sort of your thoughts, like general thoughts before we start getting into like thematics. Okay. Um, I mean, I said what I said, I think this was very much felt like a filler episode. And as somebody who is recovering (laughs) from Mm -hmm. COVID, you know, I've, I've been inside for almost 10 days at this point. And I've watched a lot of television and I have a short attention span to begin with, but like, and just like that, the first three episodes kept my attention. This one, I was like Instagramming. I was texting. I not gonna lie. I'm sure I missed some key parts of the dialogue because I was so fucking bored. Mm. Um, and I do want to tell you, I, I do want to talk at some point about like the shows that I've loved during, during my <laughs> lockdown, quarantine, isolation, whatever they're calling it now. Um, but this just was not one of them. I couldn't get into it. I, I understand that they want to kind of create different like character arcs for the three remaining ladies. Um, but I don't know. I I just, that's not what sex and the city was about, right? Like they're not Mm -hmm. supposed to go off and do their own thing and have other friends. And that's fine that they do, but it just, it feels like it's like too much the center piece of, and just like that. And I feel like that takes away from the entire, like that, that is what we loved about sex and the city. Yeah. And it's like, you already ripped Samantha from us. So now you're going to just. And you ripped just, big from us. And then you took big, which mm. I mean, At mm. this, I mean, yeah. See, <laughs> seems like, seems like the, I don't know. Did the, did uh, Michael Patrick King know that this shit was coming? Because that's very convenient that they don't have to deal with that fucking PR conspiracy theory. But, uh, <laughs> conspiracy. Um, but yeah, no, I I don't know. I didn't love it. I also feel like Anthony and his whole like calling out racial issues or racial. Um, mm. What's the word I'm looking for? It's just awkward. It's so awkward and it's so forced and contrived. He's like the non-PC one in the group, but they're trying to do it in a way of like, I'm poking fun at it in some some degree. And it also seems kind of weird. I was talking to somebody this weekend about it, um, my good friend, Christelle. And she was saying that like, well, it's kind of characteristic of Anthony. Anthony was always the one who said some of that out-of-pocket shit, like in Sex in the City. So to see it in the reboot, she's like, it's it just seems very in line with his character. Fair. But I feel like it's... I don't know. I just, I just don't think it's so necessary. Yeah. I agree. It just doesn't feel organic. Nothing about it feels natural. Nothing feels mm. 
right. It's, it's just awkward. And I feel like it's like, they're trying to be funny maybe and make light of certain, not light, but like make it more approachable. I think they're trying to like, make it like, let's talk about this in a way that's not uncomfortable all the time. But it is. Um, but but they're making it so fucking awkward that I'm like yeah. cringing and I'm like, oh my God, why why does he I don't know, I don't like it. Um I feel like Charlotte, like it's it 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 also is very much her character to like beat a dead horse until it's dead and dying and you know, mm-hmm. like I, I I just I feel again I felt like it was so very, very awkward mm. watching her try to recruit black friends. I don't know. Girl, I got thoughts about that. But um, yeah, I, I feel like we'll get into it as like the episode goes on. But like, yeah. yeah. Oh I my God, in Stanford. Sorry. Oh. No, no, no. I know. Oh. I know. That was that was like a weird, you know what that felt like? That also felt like they filmed that after the fact. They and did. And put it in post-production. I think they did. They, yeah. they they must have. And I think it very, very much looks like, holy shit, they scrambled mm-hmm. to find a way to write him out. And because he was, I think, becoming such a major mm-hmm. character in the series. Whereas I feel like in Sex and the City, he was a big part of it, but I don't think that he was as major. Like he wasn't as front, front and center. And I think that the intention was for him to like become the new Samantha. Yeah. Like, I don't think LTW is Samantha. Yeah, I think but- it was supposed to be Stanford. Yeah. I, my two cents on this is it felt very rushed. It felt very much like an afterthought. I would have appreciated it if they actually like, if he actually died in the show, you know what I mean? But I feel like it's hard to do that since big just died. It's like, well, how yeah. many characters are you going to fucking kill? But the fact it's like, he went to Tokyo. How does that make any sense? I had and no like idea Stanford was- a TikTok star? Yeah. I also what? had no idea that Stanford was a manager to begin with like that. Like, I don't yes, remember you that. did. You knew that. I can't remember his name, but remember the hot underwear model that he managed that he was obsessed with? Oh, that's right. That's right. Wasn't it Derek? I think was his name. You knew that. Yes, I did know that. You are correct. Um, But regardless, like, no, no. And then to like drop the whole like divorce thing too. Like it just seems like too many heavy hitting things at once. But like also what could they have done, right? Like to play devil's advocate here, what else could they have done? I, I just feel like, like, like he ran off, you know, figuratively speaking with a TikToker, like a TikTok teenager to Japan and couldn't face Carrie or Anthony in person. I just feel like it almost like dilutes Stanford's character. And I think that's what pissed me off about it where it's like, no, like Stanford wouldn't do that. I don't know. I'm I'm very angry about it. There's I a, feel like they should have done they should have done him more justice. Like Willie Garson deserved so much more than like TikTok. At least be like, oh my God, remember that hot underwear model? Mm, they reconnected and like yeah, he, he left me for him. Kind of yeah. Give him a more fucking fabulous yeah, yeah, yeah. exit. Not he ran off with a 13-year-old TikToker who happens to be famous in Japan. Like what? So Michael King did come out. So this was like when the whole Peloton thing happened. And in sort of his interviews after the first two um, episodes aired was like, yeah, we were trying to make it more modern, more relevant, bring in like the hot items. And that's why they did Peloton because Peloton is such a well-known device and is so popular. 
And so I see it throughout the show with them doing this and playing this out of wanting to bring it into a more modern place. But I feel like to your point, they're doing it so much that it's like inorganic. It doesn't really fit the storylines. It's very off brand for some of these characters. Um, it's just federal women. What the fuck are they doing on TikTok? So, which is the other note that I wanted to make too, like having watched this episode at the end of it. Um, so Pierre didn't watch it with me this time because I, I watched it earlier today um, while he, while he was working. And um, I just like talked to him afterwards. I was like, I think this episode really confirmed or validated for me that this show isn't really meant for us. It's really meant for the women who were in their thirties who were watching Sex in the City originally, because they're bringing up a lot of problems related to women of that age group. Like what? Like the whole Carrie and Seema situation and like online dating at like an older age and like grief and being a widow and all of these things that are typically not experienced within our own age group. The same thing with Miranda and her children. Same thing with Charlotte because Char- the whole like scene with Charlotte at her school doing the whole PTA thing. I was like, I don't relate to this in any way, shape or form. This is not something that I care about in any way, shape or form. So it's like things that I like, I don't relate to in a lot of ways. Okay. So I, I disagree with you in a sense, because I think that we are almost I don't think that we're necessarily like the normal demographic of people our age. Oh, because we don't have kids? In a lot of ways, right? Like I I definitely think that there are women who are in their 30s and I know you're not there yet. Um, (laughs) Only a few more months, guys. Only a few more months. (laughs) uh, Thank fucking God. But no, I, I I know that like there are a lot of girls, you know, that I know that are in their 30s and have multiple children and who are, who I, I imagine can relate to that more than we can. I think Charlotte, we don't relate to because, and they, they kind of talk much. about this a little bit, right? But it's, um, you know, like she gave up her career. She's a stay-at-home mm-hmm. mom. Like, that's just not us. I'm not going to lie and say that I wouldn't be down for that if the opportunity <laughs> presented itself. <clears throat> um, <laughs> work. Um, but, you know, I... I, I I just don't think that like we relate to her particular storyline. And then I also think like we happen to be married. We got married really young. And so we don't necessarily yeah. relate. Well, we don't relate to them in that sense anyway. Like we didn't have that whole like spending your 30s searching the city to find, you know, your one true love and so on and so forth. Um, and then, you know, knock on wood, right? Knock on things. <laughs> no, on all the things. Uh, but but I'm saying like I, I think the whole SEMA storyline, like I feel like I do have friends who are in their 30s now mm-hmm. that haven't met anybody and how you know are struggling to date mm-hmm. and things like that and and are their own like person and stuff. And you know, they're badass women. They they just like haven't found anybody. And I think a lot of that has to do with just the nature of yeah, but dating. I will say though, I think it's, it's not the same thing as like dating in your fifties or sixties. Like it's a very, very different ball group or ball game. Sorry, ball group. What the hell am I saying? Um, I think it's a very, very different ball game. Um, and I think it's, you know, the whole scene between Seema and Carrie at the, at the end of the episode where Seema kind of tells her or confronts her about the hurtful thing that she said about like, oh, like, it's so good that you're not giving up or whatever it was, the phrase that she utilized. Because, you know, I think it's great that you're still putting yourself out, out there. there. Damn. <laughs> Damn, Alina. Okay. I, watched, I told you I was like in and out, but when I was in, I was in. 
Yeah, no, I get it. Um, but I think it's, there's certain, so interestingly enough, I actually looked up numbers on this. So the Pew Research of Center, of course, <laughs> not I did. surprised. Um, so this data is from 2020, of course. Um, and according to Pew Research Center about women who are single, like between 50 and 64, 28% are single. But get this, 50% of that group isn't looking, which is kind of wild to me. But it's also like quite a large, like not a large number, but it is like 20%, like that's over, uh, you know, a quarter of folks that are, that are single. 28%. 28%. Oh, they were saying 20. I was like, that's not over a quarter, I don't think. But I was like, I'm not the, I'm not the brain here. Um, <laughs> wait, okay. So are not looking for anyone or not looking for anything serious. Not looking for anyone. They're not looking for relationships. And then of course, like over six sixty five and over, it's like a larger percentage are single and a larger percentage aren't looking. But I assume that has to do with like being older, being a you know potential widower, um, et cetera, et cetera. But I thought like the 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 statistic itself was was kind of interesting. And the fact that they're bringing up thematically within the show, too. Um, once again, not something that I relate to because I'm not in my fifties, right? I'm about to turn 30. So very different age group. But yeah, um, I think the whole premise of utilizing modern dating techniques and modern dating forums to find love in an older, you know, age demographic, um, kind of interesting because I remember going through the dating apps, like, Oh, actually, didn't go through the dating apps. I did OK Cupid, which I thought her little joke about that was like, "Oh my god, I died! Yeah, I, I died!" Was like, oh my god, what was it that she said? Are you? It was fucking it with was me. Not Cupid? that okay, or yeah. it was not that okay, or something. Like no, it that. was like, "Are you fucking with me, Cupid?" Oh yeah, but it was. Um, and I thought that was like hilarious. So like hearing her experience, and I remember being how old was I? I was it was in my twenties, um, like early twenties. Yeah, I was in my 20s. Um, I was 20. 20, yes. Oh, God. <laughs> That's how old I was. Maybe 19. Um, when how I was tired online. of you, were you, like, how tired of Berkeley bars were you? <laughs> oh, I'm God. just saying, because that's very young to, at, at that, well, when, like, when we were that young, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, also, I was in England at the time, too. Got it. Yeah. Okay. So, it was, like, it was different, I guess. But, um. I just remember being like exhausted of that shit. Like, and I was like in a younger demographic, I feel like I have more energy to go out and date and like deal with like dumbasses. You know what I mean? Um, I feel like now if I were to be, you know, single and on these dating apps, I, I don't have the fucking patience. Could you imagine having to talk to someone? Oh my like, God, no. Every other day, like someone different and like trying to get like a vibe check. Oh God. No. So like one of our friends, um, <laughs> One of our friends lets us swipe on her <laughs> accounts when we're just like sitting on the couch watching TV. Um, and like after about four seconds, I'm like, I can't do this. I'm so, I'm so depressed for mm-hmm. you, for me, for women in LA. Um and, you hear and it's just, it's just exhausting. I will say Mark has a really good like threshold for that and he can do it for a while and like he gets a kick out of it. But I like after about, I'm not kidding. After like four sides, I'm like, I, I know like left, 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 left is bad. Right. Whichever way is bad. I'm like, I can't do this. I have done. 
my friends like pre, like years ago we would actually do the screen share thing or screen mirroring on her like tv and we would go wow. through profiles and like make it somewhat of a drinking game but also like judge the shit out of some of these and like give our actual critiques on a scale of one to five Wait, that's so fun it's almost like oh, a like a amazing. review yeah no a hundred percent it was amazing but it's also kind of depressing when you hear some of these like horror stories like I feel like with these apps these dating apps it just allows for people to ghost you it allows for a lot of like catfishes it allows like there's so much ugly shit that has come out of dating and like scamming models that have come out of this like new modern way of dating it's wild well let's hope that SEMA find somebody um on another platform um okay wait so I will say that when Seema called her out Mm -hmm. I was loving it I was here for it I was happy Mm -hmm. and for the first time Mm -hmm. since watching Sex and the City I was like I was almost anti-Carrie yeah like I was like, oh my God, thank God somebody's shutting this bitch up or like somebody is saying something. Yeah. And I've never felt that way, but I don't know. I just feel like, I feel like she just feels so self-righteous. The whole like, I'm selling the apartment and like, there's no me here. I don't know. I just, I just feel like she's so like, woe is me. And it's annoying. Also, can we talk about the fact, is her name actually Caroline? Yeah, I was, that, that messed with me a little bit. I was like, what in the world? Um, also the scene where she, is going into that little bodega and he gets her the coffee. And then when he finds out that she's a widow, gives her a muffin. I don't know if you've ever watched um, American Dad, but it just reminded me of an episode where um, Fran, who's the wife character in the, in the sitcom or the cartoon, um, and the little great alien, they do like this whole sketch where they play widow so that they can get free shit. And that's like what that reminded me of. <laughs> Where you like literally was like, oh, you poor thing. And I was just like, oh my God, this my reminds God, me of the imagine? sitcom. It was, it was terrible. But um, let's hear Caroline Carrie, real name. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. I think that that was like maybe an unnecessary little thing um, that they wanted to throw in there. And I just feel like that's the thing. Like there's so much of unnecessary shit that they're just throwing at us. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not that big of a fan. Um, I did love that Seema put her in her place. What? No, it's Caroline Marie. It's her real Like, name. since when? I don't think they, they've never mentioned that before. Oh Have they? My whole life has just imploded in front of my eyes. Well, that's stupid. <laughs> Who even calls Caroline Carrie? Nobody. Nobody. I Have, wonder if maybe? this is because of, like, Carol. the book? But, like, I don't think that this, like, her name was ever referenced. No, it was never referenced. So that's, again, a stupid, annoying, unnecessary point that they, they're just, like, throwing shit at the wall, if you ask me. Um, okay. So we <laughs> like Seema. Carrie's a little bit annoying. I want to talk, okay, I definitely want to talk about Miranda. Yeah. Um, but why are they making Charlotte look so pathetic? Okay. Like, I feel like Charlotte, but like Let's, her thing wasn't always, like, she was always like, you know, okay. type A, waspy, whatever. But like, she was never, I don't remember her being annoying like this. I don't remember her being a pushover. I, well, like in what degree though, like pusher? So I guess for me, the whole scene where she is essentially trying to get Harry to read up on black literature and where she's, you know, at some point trying to invite other like, hmm? 
quizzing him. Oh yeah. Quizzing him. And then also before that dinner party, like her own dinner party where she was like, oh, we need to like invite other black couples because we need to be diverse. And I just sat there and I was like, do my white friends think of this? Like when, no, like, never. when I, like whenever I've invited you, I've never thought like, oh my God, I don't, do I have any half white, half Asian friends that I should also invite? No, and because I, if you did, I'd cut them. Yeah. It's not allowed. <laughs> Only one in the room and that one is me at all times. I'm not okay with it. If you're a halfy, get we can out. be friends, but we can't ever sit at the same dining table. It's just not allowed. I so. just... The whole premise was just very, very strange to me. And it kind of got me thinking because the got part- to thinking that I night. Got to or thinking. What is that? And just like that, no. Um, and just like that, I decided to turn over to my husband and ask him, babe, have you ever felt like this? Most of my friends are black. And so to, you know, take him to parties and he was the only white person there. Like I never thought anything of it. And none of my friends ever said anything. Nobody cared. But like watching that whole dinner scene, it made me kind of turn and be like, huh, did you ever feel weird? And he was like, he was like, I never felt weird. He was like, I always felt welcome. He was like, but yeah, it is like a thought that comes to like, oh shit, I'm the only white person here. And I kind of thought about it. I was like, have I ever felt like weird being in like an all white party? But then I guess I've never been in like a place where it's just all white people. Actually, that's like not true. (laughs) But I guess I just like, maybe it's not the first thing that I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know, but it just really got me thinking, like, I wonder how many of my white friends like have ever felt like that or thought like that when they've been planning a shindig. And I wonder if it's just not relevant to us because we come from more like heavier metropolitan areas where like, wait, I'm sorry. It doesn't get heavier metropolitan areas in New York, New York City, City, which is what yeah, it yeah. takes place. No, I think I think that they're just trying to be really, really relevant and show that they're like woke and sensitive to these things. Mm. Look, I think that there are probably people who behave like that. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm sure that there are actual Charlottes in this world. But mm. I guess I'm just like unsure. I'm unclear as to why they've suddenly decided that Charlotte has to be like that obnoxious about it. And like the way they ended that scene too, it just didn't make any sense. It was like, okay, it's going to be like an obnoxious scene where she mistakes the identity of one black woman as another. Black oh my God. Woman. That was bad. I it forgot about that. So cringy, mind you. And I was like, Ooh. And then like Harry in the background being like, Oh, so has anybody uh, read Zadie Smith's books? Oh, like? I thought that was funny. Yeah. Well, I, 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 I love Harry. Yeah. I love Harry too. He's like the great comedic like sidekick, but I just didn't understand what was the lead up to all of this awkwardness. And then for them all to sit at a table and they're just having casual conversation. And then she like supports her in front of the mother-in-law. And I was like, so there really was no purpose to this. It was just like, we're just gonna have an awkward, cringy moment and then move on as if it didn't happen. No, do you remember there was a scene where Charlotte mentions it to her? Oh, like mention, yeah, well, I mean, I guess, sure. But it just didn't seem like, I felt like there should have been something climactic that happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or something. Um, yeah, no, no, I totally agree with you. But I think that's what it was. Again, it, it, I feel like it's like they like bombard us with all of these things yeah. that are very much thematic. And it's just like the, boom, like the, the what's the word? The, the climax, I guess, is then very subtle. It's like anti-climatic. because they don't want to go there, right? They don't actually want to go there and do something super fucking yeah. controversial besides Anthony, which even Anthony, I don't know. I feel like he used to be a little bit more bitchy about these things. And now I feel like he kind of says it with like a laugh. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. So whatever. Um, I will say, oh yeah, go ahead. No, like the whole her desperate to be LTW's like bestie and stuff. Like it just feels very. We've kind of seen that with her before though. Like, I feel like there have been several scenes or episodes where Charlotte is trying her damnedest to come off as a certain way because she, like, wants people to like her. Like, remember the whole episode where she was at the gallery and there was, like, a group of lesbians and yes. all of a sudden she, like, had to present herself in a certain way and be certain because she wanted to be part of that in-group, you know? I feel like that's that's kind of common for Charlotte. Yes, I agree with that, but I don't think that she... But at the end of every single episode, she goes back to like, wait, no, that's not me. Yeah. And that's the difference. I think what was off about the entirety of this scene is, because because what rings true to me is if I'm bringing someone into my group of friends or into my life, right, who I connect and vibe with, they're going to need to connect and vibe with who I value. You know what I mean? So the fact of the matter is that they're creating like this checkbox element of like, oh, we don't have diverse friendship groups. Like they're going to judge us for that. Like I wouldn't want that person to be in my life if that were the case. You know what I mean? And so I- Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. But I just, the whole way that this whole scene played out, the narrative behind it, the level of like- like it's not even about wokeness at this point because it's just cringy and awkward. It has nothing yeah, no, to do no, no, with wokeness. No. Exactly. But I feel like that's what, I think that's what they're trying to get to. But like, like or that's what they're trying to show and prove. It's they're just they're doing it poorly. It exactly. Yeah. Um, how about the like nod to, oh, Charlotte, what do you do? Yeah. Like in the sense of talking about her being a mother and then talking about her gallery work. Yeah, well, I think even just the fact that they're, like, calling out, like, oh, I'm, I'm a stay-at-home mom. And then, like, obviously it was that, like, aha moment. Oh, wait, like, mm-hmm. I'm actually a really intelligent, cultured. I was successful. I chose to be a mom. So, like, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, I mean, I guess I didn't look too much into it. I, I wonder if this is going to be an opening for her going back into art. Like if they're going to talk about like, oh, well, you know, now that my kids are grown and can fend for themselves in a lot of ways, maybe I can go back into something that I was passionate about. Like, I wonder if that's going to be sort of the next step in her arc. I hope so. Cause I feel like what, what has been her arc since becoming a mom? <laughs> I mean, yeah, actually she right. hasn't done anything since let her daughter or raise a child that's ruined Carrie's life twice, mind you twice. twice. It's, that's literally. Yeah twice okay um yeah I just yeah that was meh meh it was meh and it just rubbed me the wrong way and Same. when she said vanilla friends I literally thought she was going for them our friends are boring angle and then she basically talked about race that was not the angle I was expecting when they were setting up the scene and I just felt like it was a big waste of time and it did not really accomplish much for me so. no I totally agree I will say I did love how they set up this episode with Carrie in her apartment and then that one angle from her closet zooming in. And it wasn't even zooming in. It was just like in her closet looking at her in the bed. And I was like, oh, Oh, yeah, quintessential like sex in the city shot right there. Like we have all lived and breathed and wanted that fucking closet until you get to see it again. Um, I really loved it. Um, and then her kind of going to the kitchen, trying to set up her coffee maker, which that coffee maker, are you kidding me from like the seventies? Dear Jesus. Um, but I will say an article I read a couple, uh, well, not a couple weeks ago, like maybe last week 
brought up a really good point, and I want to hear your your input on this. People are assuming that one of the storylines may be that Carrie has dementia. And so it's like two pronged because for me, this was after Big died. It was the next morning with Miranda where Miranda was like, I'm going to make coffee. And she kept telling her and she wasn't really there, remember? And she was like, where's the coffee? She was like, oh, it's in the freezer. And so people are making the argument, who the fuck puts coffee in the freezer? And then somebody else was, when Miranda told her like, oh, I'm going to go make coffee. She was like, what? What are you going to do? And she was like, I'm going to go make coffee. So people were saying, oh, it could be early signs of dementia. I'm more so on the side of she just experienced like severe grief and trauma. So her memory probably isn't all that great, but like a lot of people are like on the bandwagon that this might be a storyline later on. Oh, no. Look, I just Googled coffee and freezer and there's enough articles for me to assume (laughs) that people actually do that. Yeah. Um, I figured that was the case too, because I was like, I could see people doing it for like sealing the freshness. Um, apparently it's not a thing that you should do. Um, again, just based on the articles that I'm seeing, (laughs) but I also feel like, no, see, I think that that's more like, there's no way in hell Carrie has ever made her own coffee in her life. Oh, that's a good point. Hence why she has coffee only in the freezer. So. But then like, wouldn't Big have made her coffee? Or are you saying like they go out and get coffee all the time? No, I think they like can afford to have someone else make coffee for them. That's a fair point. Personally. And no, and I definitely think that the whole Miranda saying I'm going to make this coffee 14 times was grief. I think she was just like in another world, not even paying attention to what Miranda was thinking. That's my personal. Okay. Yeah. That's um, what I thought too. And I was like, huh, interesting that people are making a take on that um, or making insinuation based on that. I also also think that's like way too fucking dark. Like they'll kill big. They're no, they're not going to, they're not going to do that to Carrie. And if they do, <laughs> if they do, I will literally find Michael Patrick King's, what's that his name? My, Michael Patrick King's, like, at, like I will Spokio this guy. I will find his address <laughs> and I will go there and I will be like, look, that's a personal, like, yeah. very personal attack on me. Yeah. And like, you're dead. Like, you're no, dead. we're not doing this. You're done. You're dead, sir. We're done here, sir. <laughs> you are you are officially kicked out of Hollywood and, and, I, and I'm over it. Um, okay. And so. scene, sir. No pen. more for you. Put the pen, pen down. <laughs> Let's go. Um, uh, I'll, I'll give you dementia. All right. So on the topic of Miranda, mm. what do you think about the whole Miranda? Okay, the whole Miranda being an alcoholic thing. That little nod to it again. I was like, all right. I think this is a really dumb storyline. Um, but what do you think about her like questioning, wanting to be a mother, and all of that? Because she's always had that feeling, right? So I don't think that's not. Miranda, but Mm -hmm. is it like enough? I I actually liked that scene um, because a lot of people, I think, you know, there's really rose-colored lenses around it and a lot of people don't talk about it enough. There was, incidentally enough, your favorite um, news publishing site, BuzzFeed, released an article. Oh, yeah. I didn't read it because I was like, if I see this shit, very influential. I got a lot of time on my hands these days. It's depressing. So apparently they got snippets from like a Reddit post where someone asked like, what's it really like to be a parent? Um, And some of the responses were pretty fucking real. And I think people just, they think that being a parent, like you have to be on 
you know, I love being a parent trained 24 seven when in actuality, it's like you're a human and you have human needs. And the fact that you now have to take care of this person for 18 plus years, truly with no breaks, no appreciation. Um, I mean, maternity, paternity leave is a hot mess in the U S um, et cetera, et cetera. Like I felt like it was really nice to see a sense of realness around it, around the topic of like motherhood isn't for everyone and motherhood is exhausting. And there are days where it's worth it and days where you want to fucking just like choke your child out. I'm sure. I mean, I don't have children, so I don't have to worry about that, but, um, but you know what I mean? It sounds like that's a good thing for today. It sounds like that's a good thing for today. Um, (laughs) No, I would never, but you get what I'm saying. It's more of like the emotional yeah. Like stress of it. Um, like, you know, me, I go out one day a week and I'm just like, I'm done for the, like, I'm out for the count for the rest of the week. I'm like, I'm over it. I got to like recharge my batteries for the next like month. Like, dear Lord, that was a lot. Um, imagine just like a child that you have to fend for 24 seven, like that's, you know, taken from you. Oh. Um, and I thought the, I read another article today about the miscarriage piece, about the IVF feeling. And someone was like, this is something that I feel like isn't talked about enough about some women who do feel a sense of relief. Like, yes, there's a lot of grief around it, but also for some, there is a sense of relief because some people are yeah. really scared of that journey, um, even though they may have chosen it for themselves. And so I think it's, it's, it was beautiful that there was like a layered complexity in the conversation. Yeah, no, no, for sure. I I feel like I'm kind of happy that it was Miranda mm. and not Charlotte that has this storyline. Mm. Um, because I feel like, you know, it would have just been a completely different conversation. Um yeah, and and I love that Naya Naya, is that her name? She was like, mm-hmm. or whatever, the professor was like. My life is pretty damn near perfect. And she just like owned it. And I was like, that's really fucking cool that mm-hmm. someone can say it. But I also understand, right? Like the the whole, I think I'm doing this because I might regret it one day, not mm-hmm. because I want it. Mm-hmm. You know? So, um, I mean, yeah, I, I thought that was cool. The whole her fucking up the reservation. I was like, I enjoyed that. I I felt embarrassed for her. I felt like that was the most relatable scene of the entire episode. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. Because you know me, yeah. I'm a damn Karen and Karen makes mistakes sometimes, but Karen <laughs> can never admit that she made a mistake. Karen I, didn't make the reservation in San Francisco. <laughs> you guys put it in San Francisco. I made that shit here. I will say Miranda's response to that was fucking hilarious. Yeah, that was really good. Or she was like, um, so should I call them and let them know that we're going to be a little bit late? I yeah, was, that was on good. the was floor good. cackling. Um, yeah, to your point, I really did love um, Naya's response in regards to how much she loved her life and the whole regret concept. Because so I'm part of this like child-free group. And, um, there's been like lots of conversations recently because, you know, folks are going over to the holidays and you get a lot of those questions of like, you know, why don't you have kids yet? Why don't you this? Why don't you that? Um, and you know, it's a full spectrum of reasons as to why people don't have kids. But, um, one of the things that's always brought up is like, won't you regret it? Like not having a child. Um, and there's some older people who are in this group and they're like, look, I'm like 60 something. I don't regret it. Like I have all of this surplus in cash. I've retired early. I can go do X. I can go do Z. I have enough money for retirement. I'm like, I planned accordingly. Um, it's like, 
there's always going to be those what ifs. There's always, like Miranda says, there's always these like roads not taken, which by the way, is one of my um, favorite poems by, I believe it's Robert Frost. Um, the road not taken, but it's like, there are always going to be like options that you didn't take. And you always be like, well, what if I did it? You know, um, but it's all yeah. about like, join, you know, enjoying the journey that you're on and the choices that you've made. It's me being like the, the romantic that I am about it. See, I, I appreciate that, but I'm also the one who's like, but you make those decisions. So you better fucking plan. <laughs> and then like, like, I think I feel like the whole idea of IVF, mm. I, I, you know, I, I obviously know that there are reasons why people have to do it. And sometimes it's not necessarily like a convenience thing or a controlled thing or whatever, but I feel like I would benefit greatly from doing something like that, you know, again, God willing, everything else works out and whatever, but just to be able to like control it as much as possible. Like Mark and I joke about, you know, oh, like maybe we'll do it at some point. I'm like, okay, well, like we have to do it in the summer because I don't want a December baby. I don't want a January (laughs) baby. I don't want a February. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh my God, like this is like, I'm, I'm a fucking sicko. This is the kind of stuff that goes in my head. It's not like, like, I don't know if I'm, I would ever be the kind of mom that's like, oh, I want a healthy baby. And that's what's important. It's like, no, it's a boy. It's like, oh, how are you feeling? I'm not happy. I wanted a girl. I don't have any boy names picked out. What do I do with the penis? It's going to pee on me. And you know what? He's, he's a December baby. Like who the fuck wants a December baby? You no. definitely don't want a Capricorn girl. Let me tell no. you. No, not even that. I don't want to. Like that's <laughs> so much pressure on people. Hey, hey, come to my kid's first birthday party. And then a week later, I have to like send him a gift for Christmas. And then a week later, it's New Year's. And then, no. Oh, no. I had a friend whose birthday was on Christmas. Like, could you imagine no. the audacity? I would just be upset because people are just like, here's your gift. And it's like, no, I deserve two gifts, one for Christmas and one for my day of birth. Thank you very much. Exactly. And then like, there are other things that I think about, like, do you really want your kid never getting to like have an in-school, like with the cupcakes birthday? Um, My mom always said that she's, she's, cause my mom is an August baby. She's like, I never got to have like an in-school like birthday party. And I'm like, well, I never had got to have a pool party. That's cool. Um, But now we live in LA. So, Um, and then I was also thinking, Again, if you do IVF, you can theoretically kind of calculate, right, when the baby will be born, I, you know, theoretically. And I was like, oh, well, if you plan for an April or a May baby, that push present could be a diamond or an emerald if you're into birthstones. So again, this is this goes back to why maybe wow. I'm not really a person that should ever have a child. But did you really just say push? I only learned about push presents maybe like a year ago. And I just like... I've been planning one, I think, for the last 12 years. Like, what do you mean? Oh my God. I didn't even know it fucking existed. <laughs> I was like, I was like a push present. And it was, of course, through reality TV that I found out. I was like, what's a push present? And then I just went down this whole world of like, wow, like the dedication. I'm here for it. I get it. It's like, you deserve the gift. You just, uh, you deserve you how you want. Yeah. 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 I get it. I would want a car probably something of that stature, because let's be real, like you housed a being in your body for almost 10 months and pushed them out. To but a don't very... you feel like that would benefit Pierre? Oh no, but it would be like my spouse. Yeah, but still. I mean- And fair. you need a new one anyway that's good for the baby, so no. I disagree. That's not a good push present. You literally have put a lot of attention to detail um, into this process. Well, I'm going to fucking lose it. You know, the last time Pierre bought me jewelry, 
it was these beautiful pearl earrings and a pearl necklace and I lost them. I have no fucking idea. He will ask me every once in a while. He's like, oh, where did those pearl earrings? Like, oh, they're, they're in the storage, in storage. That's where they're at. So what you're uh, saying uh, is Pierre is <laughs> not a listener of the basic in the brain. <laughs> okay. All right. Got it. Got it. Um, yeah. No, I feel very strongly about this planning, you know, put it this way. If I happen to have a child one day and that child is born in April or May, present. Got it. There may or may not have been some ulterior motives in that um, decision. <laughs> so if Mark texts me being like, I'm stuck on figuring out the push present, I just no, go exactly. back to, he, he'll know exactly. I'm pretty sure you've already left him a multitude of signs everywhere at that point. For a long time, it was a Cartier love bracelet. And um, no, now I've, I, no, I've changed my mind. It's good. I've matured. <laughs> Look at you. Better sights higher, <laughs> a little higher. Um, okay, so um, going veering back to Caroline Marie, um, what did you think about that whole fucking thing where she like screamed at Seema for breaking the glass? It was just like a way that grief was coming out. It was just like a trigger for her. I can understand it. I've I've seen, I've had moments like this. My little brothers had moments like this. Like after our dad stuff. Like my mom has had moments where it's just one simple thing and you crack. And then it's just sort of like an outlet. It's something that triggers it. And so, um, I, there was a moment where I was like, what the fuck is she going on about? And then when she, when I saw what the frame was, and then I saw, and then I heard her talk about like the fingerprints and like, that's what he touched in this. Then I understood where it was coming from. And I was like, okay, I get it. It's like a deeper rooted place of her like unresolved trauma and grief around big stuff. It's coming out through this situation. That's how I perceived it at least. No, yeah, well, of course. That's literally what it, what it is, but I, yeah. I don't know. I just felt like it was a little bit I don't know. I just felt like Carrie, Caroline, <laughs> I just feel like she is becoming a character that I just don't like. I think we've grown older now and the charm of what she used to be has, I mean, I watch some of the older episodes still. And to me, I've completely shifted in how I view Carrie. And there are a lot of moments where I'm just like, the fuck is she doing? Or I'll be like, wow, I really hate her in this moment. Or wow, she's a really shitty friend. Or wow, she's really selfish. And I think it just comes with like our own evolution as humans of like the boundaries that we've set and the toxic behaviors that we've seen and we don't want to participate anymore. Um, And I think that's probably why you and I probably really loved Seema putting her back in her place in a a sense. Because I feel like it was like one of the rare moments where you have someone calling her out on her shit versus just acquiescing to her, which was quite common. And I think in sex in the city as a show. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree with all that. I, I'm just, I, I just, I really want to like go back to how I used to love it. And I don't, I don't see myself ever watching these episodes again, put it that way. Oh, I'm hundred percent with you. And um, I've been rewatching sex in the city because I'm like, first of all, I, I've been forcing Mark because, you know, we're in quarantine um, to watch and just like that. And he doesn't have the historical context. And so he's like asking me all these questions and whatever. And so I was like, let's, we've got time. Um, we've got a lot of time. Let's just start watching some of the old episodes. And um, I, like he even said, he was like, wow, this is a much better show. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, yeah, this wa- this is why this mm-hmm. was the show, you know, when we were younger. Um also, I will say, 
not to get off the topic of it just like that. However, we have binge watched Emily in Paris season two. I haven't watched that show yet. You got to watch it. And let me tell you something. First of all, Mark is obsessed. He made me binge it it today. And Mm -hmm. he was like, I think this is the best show on television right now. Interesting. Okay. And he goes, I feel like this is what se- this is what Sex and City used to be. And I was like, oh my gosh, did you know it was actually, it uh, was created by Darren Starr, who Star. created yeah. Sex and City. Yeah, yeah. It's the same. Yeah. I'm proud of him. Oh, so he, so he's the one who told you that? He made that connection. Oh, he I knew it. it, but he made yeah. the connection. And then, and then oh, I okay. told him that um, the reason why Patricia Fields didn't go back to, and just like stayed. that, to style them is because she's on um, Emily in Paris. But I was just really, really proud. That is amazing. He made that connection. Pat on the back to Mark. I feel like that's details he doesn't usually like notice, but the fact that he noticed- Agreed. Gold star for Mark. Um, I will say, because I've been on Twitter kind of looking to see what the sentiment is about and just like that, because so far it's been pretty lackluster for me, unfortunately. I feel like after the second episode, I felt like, meh, like- You know, a lot of people are hate watching it, which I thought was very interesting. There's still lots of um, sadness around the fact that Samantha isn't part of the show. Um, A lot of people have kind of made the note that I've made that I feel like this show just isn't as prevalent for our age group as much with where they're going with it. Um, The tokenism, which, you know, I've been a very (laughs) vocal um, opponent of. And um, on top of it, what I thought was hilarious was the mention of folks being like, oh, well, if they're doing Emily in Paris, why won't they just do Samantha in London? Because we'd much rather prefer to watch that than to watch and just like that. And number one, I was on the floor fucking dying. And secondly, I was like, that's a good idea. I feel like Kim Cattrall would come back for that. Did we start start a hashtag or something? Sam in London. Like, we need this now. Oh, my God. I know. I didn't see this. I didn't hear it. But now I need it. Right? I figured I'll I'll fund it. (laughs) I'll sell my one kidney for it. Oh, my gosh. Now now this is, like, all I'm going to be thinking about. I think I'm going to, like, write the script in my head tonight. Right? Should we write the script? Yeah. Let's just write it. I'm down for it. And then we'll reach out to Michael and be like, yo, we have this idea. We think you'd love it. Um, and we would write all of the wrongs that have been done in and just like that. I love it. I girl, I am here for it. I literally saw that and I was like, that is probably the best idea of of basically this decade, honestly. I didn't know this is where our careers were going, <laughs> but I'm I'm very, very excited. I'm glad ready. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm I'm literally like floored. I don't think there's anything else we can say about this episode now. A, because it was a filler episode and sucked, but B, because I have like, my mind is just shooting in all different I directions. Know. So I feel Very like excited on that. Done. Yeah. Done. We'll, we'll We're start a working this. session. We're find a way. Go fund me. Only oh. fans. <laughs> I love Foot it. fetish website, something. We're going to do something. We're here for it. You know, we'll just use oh Mark's God. ass to help fund this new venture. <laughs> I'm I'm all for it. Um, yeah. And on that note, I think we, you know, we end this recording and we go straight into our working session from the script. 100% I'm ready. We're going to, we're going to break night. Let's <laughs> do it.
So there you have it. Thank you so much for joining us again on The Basic in the Brain. Be sure to join us next week for our next spin on intellectualizing our basic bitch interests. Be sure to join us and don't forget to like and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Tweet us at Basic and Brain and follow us at The Basic in the Brain on Instagram. Give us feedback. Tell us what you love, what you don't love. Tell us what topics you'd like for us to cover. And we'll talk to you all later. 